Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And usually by the time I'm ready to start the podcast, I know what my lead is going to be. Tonight, not really so much. There's two games that we used to have a store, in t- a restaurant in town. South of town, they used to give out free food if you'd answer a trivia question properly. They'd call the sandwich the grinder. It was a hamburger, and it had a little bit of this on top and a little bit of that on top. And it was part, part hamburger and part, I don't know what you want. Um, uh, sloppy Joe, just everything falling all over off everything and... It was fantastic. Probably didn't do my heart a whole lot of good, but uh, it just had stuff all over everywhere, and that's what that's what a couple of the games tonight are like. Um, the two games at the top, less interesting, less interesting. Luis Lugo gets the start for Iowa. Starting pitcher, five innings, three hits, a run, an earned run, two walks, four strikeouts. I don't know if I want to believe in Luis Lugo yet. Luis Lugo is bordering on that type of pitcher. He's bordering on that type of pitcher. You're not going to give him a 40-man roster spot. You're not. You're just not. But you could possibly offer him a spot on the um, Mesa Solar Sox for him to take the spot. You would have to accept a successor contract which would keep him around in Chicago into 2022 unless he was added to the 40-man roster, unless he was claimed in the Rule 5 draft, and I really don't think that'll happen. He's one of those guys that he really seems like he's a good, proper, useful, upper minor league pitcher. How old is he, Tim? I don't know. What's he throw? I don't know. He just... He tends to get out to the minor league levels. And he's now to the point where he's at the upper minor league levels. And he started off horribly in Tennessee, but he's done very well in Iowa. The season we're going another month and a half. As far as the minor leagues, I might consider Luis Lugo as one of the next guys to get a call up. I really think with Luis Lugo, the thing that would make the most sense would be offer him the start. You have to have one starting pitcher at the um, fall, Arizona Fall League level, each team has to have at least one acknowledged, declared starting pitcher. Make Luis Lugo that starting pitcher if he wants it. You can be the starting pitcher. You get four or five extra more starts. Show your stuff off. If you do well, maybe somebody will claim you in the Rule 5 draft. If not, well, you've signed a successor contract He'll stick around the Cubs. I don't know. I, I don't know who that guy who that guy or those guys ought to be for the Cubs. Luis Lugo looks to be the guy so far as of right now. Ask me in two weeks. I'll have a different idea. Scott Efros, one inning. No hits, no walks, no runs. I think this was a scheduled tweet. One strikeout. His ERA is down to 3.64. Bullet to my head. I, no, you don't have a bullet to your head. Shotgun to my head. 
I call up Scott Efros before I call up Dakota Mekas. Scott Efros is a better pitcher right now than Dakota Mekas. He has been recently. He has been over the entire season generally. Um, he's got just enough funk going on. That strange arm angle. Um, if it gets to the point where somebody ought to be replaced on the roster for whatever reason, um, probably Jonathan Holder gets the next call up if he's ready and healthy. Second goes to Scott Efros. Scott Efros is a little bit better right now than Dakota Mecca's in my opinion. Trace Thompson, two-run homer and a walk. Alfonso Rivas, two walks. A Beatal Evelino, one for three with a walk. Iowa loses three to two. Um, probably would have been a really good game if I was glued to it, but really I wasn't. I, re- I, I, I was elsewhere. I was completely elsewhere. Tennessee series canceled. Multiple buses returning from Chattanooga with Tennessee players and coaches and other stuff. I'll leave it there. South Bend had a doubleheader. It start, the Game one started at 5 o'clock. Game one was supposed to start Chris Clark. It did not. Game one started Alexander Vizcaino. And if you ever wanted to know why I dig minor league baseball, the first four innings here, first three innings especially, were why I dig minor league baseball. First three innings, pretty much walk you right through it. Walk you right through it. Uh, Alexander Vizcaino, I wasn't expecting him to be the starter. Uh, South Bend comes out, they, they get, they make three outs, uh, let's see. Piango, Yo Hendrick Piango doubled in the first inning. Um, this Caino comes out. Oh, okay, cool. This Caino, I'd rather listen to him than uh, Chris Clark anyway. Starts throwing seeds. 96, 98. Snapping off breaking balls. He had, it, it, it's out on video. It's out on video. Um, Mason Wynn is a top six prospect for Peoria. So is Jordan Walker. Both are very good players. If either one of them would be in the Cubs pipeline, they would fit in very well with the rest of the upper crust. You know what I mean? The the upper crust. The guys who, yeah, these guys are kind of good. Um... Vizcaino had a... Okay, normally when an announcer is calling a game, normally when an announcer, minor league announcer is calling the game, they are 85%, I want my team to win. And 15%, I do have to be somewhat impartial. Usually that's how it is. Uh, Some announcers can manage to get it to 50-50. But you always know, for instance, Alex Cohen, he wants Iowa to win. You know that. He, he's, he wants Iowa to win. But if the other person is doing well, like if uh, Bobby Witt Jr. continues to hit home runs, 
Alex Cohen is more than capable of saying, this guy's better in this league. Get him out of here. Send him to Kansas City. You know, that, that's pretty much the ultimate compliment. This guy's better than this league. So uh, I'm listening to the Peoria announcer. Uh, oftentimes, Darren Pritchett is calling off of a television screen. I'd rather hear the actual announcer announcers in the building watching the game. It works better that way. So I've gotten to listen to the Peoria announcer the last couple of games. He's actually fairly good. Um, he even mentions the Cubs by name, which their previous announcer, Nathan Beliva, had a tendency to not do for entire series. Uh, but Alexander Vizcaino, he had, well, he was 96, 98 at some point in the first inning. The Peoria announcer, 98. Hmm. That's kind of fast. Analysis. <laughs> but it, it, it was a very good, it was almost like a humble brag as far as, uh, um, yeah, that's pretty good. And you already knew that. <laughs> uh, then he snapped off a changeup. I'm I'm calling it a changeup. I think it was a changeup. It looked like it was a changeup coming in, and all of a sudden it starts bearing in on the fists of Jordan Walker. Walker actually took a nice hack. He took a nice hack, but the ball was right at his wrist. He there was nothing he was going to do with it. He swung right through it, and the announcer, huh? Ninety three. That's all I said. You know, kind of one of those. 93. Well, he's throwing 98 or 96. So it's not a fastball. He's throwing three pitches. Fastball, curveball, change. It's not a curve. If it's 93, it's not a curve. It's got to be a 93 mile an hour changeup. In advanced A ball. Holy cats. Alexander Vizcaino was ridiculous. By the fourth inning, he started to run out of gas a little bit, which is no surprise when you have pitchers who are constantly on pitch counts. It's a very realistic thing to look at what's his maximum pitch count for the season. Check to see how many pitches he's made today. Has he started to lose velocity? Has he started to walk people? All that kind of stuff, because it's not just a pitch count. It's the stuff that goes along with the pitch count, like pitches going slower, um, I arm getting more tired, more walks, all that kind of stuff. By the fourth inning, Vizcaino was about done. They did leave. They sent him out. I think he walked two of three hitters. Uh, no, let's see. What was it? I, actually, I can remember this. First hitter walked. Next, uh, the, the hitter who walked... Uh, was um, Jordan Walker, who he'd struck out in the first inning. Walker stole second, stole third. Little uh, off-the-fist liner on the, uh, on the infield, then a single up the middle, then another out, then it was time for the bullpen. And I'm thinking, okay, wow. This has been a fantastic game already. It's the fourth inning. It's been a fantastic game because I've learned a whole lot of stuff. And that's what I base stuff on. Have I learned stuff? This is the fourth inning of the first game of a doubleheader of the first game of the day. I'm already at the point where I've already almost learned too much today. Already 
almost fourth inning. So I took a deep breath and I, uh, there's a single to center, which scored a run. I didn't stick around for the next out or the relief pitcher. I flipped it over to the Myrtle Beach game because I'll get to that in a bit. Um, turns out Bryce, uh, the, the relief pitcher was, um, <laughs> Bailey Horn. Bailey Horn came in in relief of Alexander Vizcaino. Bailey Horn is another one of those guys who I don't have enough information on. If somebody asks me, Tim, can you please tell me about Bailey Horn? I can tell you a little stuff, but I don't have enough. I don't have enough. So I'm, I'm listening to this announcer walk me through a Bailey Horn inning. And by the time I got back to the game, he was in for the fifth inning, top of the fifth. And it was one of those, I was expecting from Horn. Ball one, ball two, strike one. Fouled it away, ball three, fouled it away, fouled, you know, one of those innings, you know, no, it was ball one, strike one, fly to left, ground, uh, strike one, grounded a third. It was, you know, a really fast inning. It's like, wow, Bailey Horn's actually throwing strikes today. That's a good thing. Um, eventually, uh, let's see, Peoria had led one to nothing. South Bend rallied for a run. I'm not even sure how they did. I'm not even sure how they did. Um, sixth inning, it was two to one Peoria. And Bryce Ball hits a home run to left field. If you know anything about me from listening to the podcast, when Bryce Ball does anything, I'm interested. Bryce Ball just absolutely fascinates me. Bryce Ball hits a home run to the opposite field on a 3-2 pitch. Okay, 3-2 pitch, I'm already I'm already tweeting about this at bat because he's run up a full count. I, I, I completely love Bryce Balls at bats because if the umpire calls a strike, the umpire was wrong. You know, <laughs> Ball knows the strike zone. He's 6'6", six six, but he knows the strike zone. Um, so, Ball ties the game with a home run in the sixth. And Luis Vazquez... It's a home run the seventh. South Bend ends up winning three to two. <sighs> Yay. Um, Chris Clark starts game two, struggles. Dalton Stambaugh comes in, does a fairly decent job in relief. Keeps the game kind of close. Burl Caraway enters in the bottom of the fifth with the bases loaded and one out. Now, if you know anything about Burl Caraway, you know there are strikeouts. But occasionally there are walks, and by occasionally, I mean rather routinely. Burl Caraway comes in, strikes out the first hitter, strikes out the second hitter, gets out of the fifth inning. In the sixth inning, he faced four hitters, striking out one of them, walking one of them. Okay, that's kind of what we want out of Burl Caraway. If he does that kind of stuff next year, he very well may be a double-A pitcher. That's all good. That's fine. That's fantastic. In game two, Yohindrik Piango, two for four. I really think he had a double in game two. I could be wrong on that. I'm not seeing it written down. Um, Tyler Derna, two for three, RBI with a walk. Jake Slaughter, two for three. South Bend loses three to one. No worries. Again, 
I for, for, simply off of Alexander Vizcaino and um Alexander Canario. It was fantastic. It's a fantastic game. I Vizcaino is getting there. He's getting there. Next year, he should be in double A to start. And if he's in double A to start and he does anything there, he moves up to triple A. And you know what happens then. He's already on the 40-man roster. You do, you do the math. Now, we go to Myrtle Beach. It's been a long time since Myrtle Beach has lost to the Columbia Fireflies. I think that's 10 in a row. Something like 10 in a row. And after an inning and a half, Myrtle Beach was down five to nothing. They were down five to nothing. I'm going to run through some of the hitters in the Myrtle Beach lineup tonight. Now, this is a run. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think that's what it is. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Second hitter through the seventh hitter. I'm not pulling anyone. Second hitter through the seventh hitter. Kevin Made, three for five, two runs, a double. Jordan Wogu, two for five, two runs, RBI. Owen Casey, two for three, two runs, two RBIs, two walks, two doubles. Jonathan Sierra, two for five, run, two RBIs. Peter Matt, two for four, RBI, walk, two doubles. Ed Howard, three for five, run scored, RBI. Yikes. Yikes. Myrtle Beach at the start of the year, people will go back and do research on this specific Myrtle Beach team in the future. And they're going to miss the entire story. They're going to miss the entire story because they're looking in the wrong direction. This Myrtle Beach team started this season absolutely horribly at the plate. Part of it was a whole bunch of their players didn't play baseball last year. Ed Howard was in high school, was drafted, had nowhere to go. There were no games to be played for him. Jordan Wogu drafted. No games for him to play. There was no alternate site for him to go to because alternate sites were limited to 60 players total. You couldn't send 85 players to play. All you could play was 60. Beyond that, nope, sorry, nothing. Owen Casey drafted second round. Sorry, nothing, nothing. Jonathan Sierra, nothing. Whole bunch of players. No, you. I think uh, Kevin Made finally made it to instructs late in the season uh, when they had instruct instructional league ball. I think Ed Howard played in that as well. But most of the guys, there were there really weren't games. There was nothing. So when you have a whole bunch of really young players who had nothing they did the year before, and they're up against a whole bunch of college players who were stars in the ACC or the SEC. Now, they didn't necessarily benefit by having a whole bunch of time off, but they responded better to it because they're experienced. You know, they know the 
the rigors of how to keep in shape when there are no games going on. They're used to it. It's old hat for them. The uh, Myrtle Beach Pelicans played extensively, not exclusively, but extensively against really good teams, particularly at the start of the year. And it always rolled back to, oh, more games against Charleston River Dogs. Charleston River Dogs are a fantastic team. They're beating the snot out of people at low A. They're that good. They've been that good all year. They're just better. They're just better. They were a lot better at the start of the year. Some of those guys finally got promoted. They, the guys they replaced them with, still better. Just better. Better hitting, better pitching, better depth, better outfielders, better catcher. They're just better. They're just better. And Myrtle Beach just kept going back and playing. Oh, Charleston River Dogs again. Okay, cool. Let's go play against these guys. And they, you know, play gamely and win one or two out of six. There's one game they actually won three out of six against Charleston. That was like stop the presses and the world. You know, they tied a series against Charleston. Charleston almost disbanded over it. But um, kept, you know, more games against Charleston. Okay, and they kept playing. To now, I'm sounding like sour grapes, aren't I? Sound very well. What do you mean you're not? Everybody plays a, the set. No, not everybody plays the same teams. This year, they're getting used to the six game series. They're getting used to the six game series, and most of the time, teams were trying. The leagues were trying to keep the travel limited. The travel was limited, so when you have a team in. Myrtle Beach, you're going to play teams that are close to Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach plays a lot of Charleston. The River Dogs were a really good team. Played the Columbia Fireflies some. But there were two teams that South Bend did not play. Did not play a series against. The... Cannonballers. I'm forgetting where they're from right now. And then they also didn't play the Frederick Nationals. Frederick Nationals. Um, the Cannonballers and the Nationals. I looked them up. I think the Cannonballers have won like 27% of their games. And the Fred Nats have won like 34% of their games. The Fred Nats started the year off with a 13-game losing streak. And the Cannonballers had, I think, a 13-game losing streak. So both of them, for large periods of time, they were just really bad. To be honest, and I'm just being honest here, the Nationals nor the White Sox have been particularly astute, adept at talent development in their pipeline. Now, the White Sox have done very well at locating some talent, but they haven't been all that particularly good, in my opinion, of developing players. So you get a guy who's adequate, he'll stay adequate, he won't get a whole lot better than adequate necessarily. You get a guy who, this guy's going to be really good, he ends up being, well, this guy's going to be really good, but it's not necessarily because of the development. The Fred Nats and the Cannonballers 
were bad this year. Now, had Myrtle Beach played 18 games against the Fred Nats or 12 games against the Cannonballers, I don't know how far it is from Frederick's, Fre Frederick, Maryland to Myrtle Beach. Don't know how far it is from the heck are the Cannonballers. Not Winston-Salem, I don't think. Uh, well, whoever it is. Um, the leagues aren't that large. You know, it, it's they just decided that certain teams are going to play against certain teams quite regularly, and it wasn't anywhere near a balanced schedule. So the two teams that were absolutely piss poor in the low A East, Myrtle Beach didn't play them. Myrtle Beach did not play them at all. They've now run off 11 straight against the Columbia Fireflies. Columbia Fireflies, fairly reasonably decent team. Um, kind of enjoy listening to their announcer, actually. But uh, Myrtle Beach is starting to come around. Now, would they have come around sooner or slower if they played the Fred Nats? Or the cannonballers earlier in this, or even at all. Dunno. Uh, long term, I'm kind of happy they did go up against the really rugged teams that made them have to work for everything. Because when you're up against players who are really good in the SEC and the ACC, they're going to make you look bad if you're not doing well. And. Myrtle Beach got punished. They just got absolutely brutalized early on in the season against a number of teams who were really good on the pitching end. Uh, whoever the Braves affiliate is also had a rather good pitching staff that um, I think it was, uh, shoot, I can't remember who the other team was. But no. Um, so I'm going to run through these again. All in a row. All on the same day, all on a day when Myrtle Beach was down five to nothing in the second inning. Kevin Maday, three for five, two runs, double. Jordan Wogu, two for five, two runs, RBI. Owen Casey, two for five, two for three, two runs, two RBIs, two walks, two doubles. Jonathan Sierra, two for five, runs scored, two RBIs. Peter Matt, two for four, RBI, walk, two doubles. Ed Howard, Three for five, run scored, RBI. Gabriel Jaramillo pitches the one inning, one walk save. His ERA drops to 2.45. Now let's go to Mesa action. They ended up losing. Tim doesn't write down the score this time. Like about eight to four, eight to five. Jason Santana came over in the Darvish trade. Two runs. Home run, uh, two two runs. Home run, two run home run. Um, Luis Angel Rodriguez, who is one of the guys that he's eligible for the Rule Five draft this year. I don't think anyone will touch him this year because I don't think anybody wants to hide him on their forty man roster on their twenty six man roster for a full season. But Luis Angel Rodriguez next year could 
take off and look really good. Um, tonight he started three and two-thirds innings, two hits, two runs, two earned runs, a walk, five strikeouts. Malcolm Quintero, two for two, run scored, RBI. Uh, Ismael Mena, single. And a walk, run scored. In the Dominican Summer League, actually Mesa, the two Dominican games were all against the Rangers. So whoever won two of three gets um, gets the belt. Um, Cubs Blue lose six to four. Pedro Martinez, three for five, triple run scored, two RBIs. I, I, I no longer have any words for him. I just, he's, there's no way he was expected to be this good. It's, it's basically over there. I, I have no words. Starling Pachardo, three innings pitched, two hits, one run, no strikeout, uh, no walks, one strikeout. Starling Pachardo for a kid who is as young as anyone is in the league. Yeah, that'll work. Um, Cubs red against Texas. 16-9 in an absolute slugfest. Christian Hernandez, 3-4. for four. Let me see. I wrote down some more stuff. And when you write pencil on top of pencil, it's kind of hard to read. 3-for-3, um, three three, four runs, no RBIs, one walk. There, that's what I wanted to read. Wally Soto, 3-for-4, three, three runs scored, four runs driven in, two walks. That'll work for a day. Um, Lionel Espinosa, two for four, two RBIs with a walk. Esmarly Tatis, two for five, two RBIs. Again, that'll work. Uh, 16 to nine, Cubs red wins. Just a fantastic day. Uh, if you're, um, back a while ago, I had a run. I sat down and did you ever watch any of those, um, cutting edge movies? I uh, you get the uh, it's a five eight from the Russian judge and the five point. Uh, if if this day was to be rated, uh, one to ten scale, it would probably be about an eight point six, uh, eight point six somewhere in that range. Um, might even be a little bit higher if Ethan Hearn. Didn't leave after getting hit by pitch in the hand. Really nice day. Really productive day. And if if Alexander Vizcaino is this, is this good, wow. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great day. Be safe. Be nice to others. And have a great day.